Hello, it's Charlotte's sister, C. Farrell, host of Powered by Age, Canada's longest-running senior-led podcast that invites you to do what you love. This podcast is for you if you love writing or telling stories, if you love sharing poetry or doing interviews. This podcast is for you if you love working on ways to create age-friendly cities. This podcast is for you if you love learning how to tame technology and get more out of virtual events, if you love finding more ways to share your heritage or traditions. If you love any of these things, you can go beyond listening and join our weekly podcast group. Simply email pbaafc at gmail.com and put your name in the subject line. Powered by Age is sponsored by the Government of Canada, New Horizons Grant, the 411 Senior Center Society, and GNF Financial Group. Good afternoon and welcome to Powered by Age, Canada's longest running Powered by Age, Powered by Seniors program. Today we are continuing our celebration of uh, Women's History Month, Break the Bias. We're doing Breaking the Bias Against Embracing Holistic Health as a valuable form of, of health. We have two special guests today. Uh, one is going to increase your sense about sense, and the other is going to use a healing poem to talk about healing through poetry. So uh, I am Charlotte Farrell, the host. I acknowledge that our work takes place on the unceded properties of the Musqueam, Tooth, and Squamish people. We stand with them in knowing that a reconciliation will come within our lifetimes. Uh, what we usually do at the beginning is have uh, people that are here just briefly introduce themselves and then we'll go on to uh, introducing our special guest and hearing the presentations that we they have for us. So um, I'm going just across the way my top line is and say Profula. Hi, my name is Profula Vias and I live in Milton and I'm really enjoying this group and I'm so glad that I joined it because there are so many different interesting topics that keep coming up. And also I get so much encouragement to write stories and, and, and also to listen to really nice poems as well. So thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for joining <laughs> us. Uh, Chris? Hi, everybody. My name is Chris Morrissey and um, I'm happy to be back. I I've been, uh, I've had appointments. I, a year or so ago, I had a, an amputation of my, of my right leg. So I've been going through a lot of appointments and uh, they just happened to fall on Thursdays at, at, in the afternoon. So I'm really happy to be back. And it's nice to see so many uh, familiar faces and new faces as well. So thank you. Happy to have you back. We missed you. Uh, Neil? Yeah, my name is Neil Ryan. Uh, I'm a retired businessman who became a poet, and I write poems quite frequently. And I have uh, one to, for, for today, later, if we have time. And uh, basically, I'm a happy camper senior. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Cambrai Adventurer. Uh, Delsa? My name is Delsa. I come all the way from Mississauga. I am into yoga and meditation and also into everything that is holistic. Holistic nutrition, holistic healing. I am into, into it. So I am 
so glad to be joining this uh, group today. Thank you. Girl, you're in the right place. <laughs> uh, Leslie? Yes, I'm Leslie Hebert, uh, normally from New Westminster, uh, just outside of Vancouver, but I am coming you, to you today from sunny Arizona. Wow. Oh. Nice. Must be nice there. Must be warm, right? Um, yeah, it's in the 80s. Wow. And sunny. It's always wow. sunny in the desert. Right? I couldn't get out because I am I, I am only 60 kilograms. I'm gonna get I'm gonna be blown by the wind here. Oh Starting boy. After this morning, yeah, it's just too okay. windy. Uh Willing. Hello. Everyone, I am Willie Watson, and I am a writer of daily affirmative thoughts for a church, Hillside International, and I am a religious science practitioner, and Emeritus or uh, I've been mad for 30 years now, and uh, that's me in a nutshell right now. <laughs> I don't know why what we're doing today, but I figured I'd get on the call anyway. Well, we welcome you, and uh, it, it, almost everyone that's within our group, it sometimes has a point where they make a presentation. Willene writes a lot about forgiveness and does workshops and counseling on forgiveness and has a shirt, which I need to wear often because it says, still and steady. <laughs> uh, Del? Hi, my name is Del. I live on the Sunshine Coast. I am related to two people here. One, um, my sister, Ramona, and um, two is uh, Rohana, our presenter. We've been in writing groups together, and uh, I've been on this group before and, and really liked it. And I'm just waiting until some other things ease up for me and I can attend more regularly. Because um, I really like the group. So thank you. Oh, welcome. And now we hear Ramona, who's connected to two people. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everyone. It's really great and such a surprise to have these um, you know, people joining us from Mississauga. Delsa and Prafula, and my sister from the Sunshine Coast. And of course, looking forward to listening to holistic healing from uh, Rohana. And uh, um, I'm sorry, the other name escapes me. Okay, okay. So hopefully at the end, we would, we would wind up with listening to an exciting poem by Neil once again. Thank you, everyone. Okay, so now I'm going to uh, introduce our two presenters and uh, we're going to increase your sense about scent with Rohana Goodwin-Smith. She had an excellent career as an RN, but pursued her sense of importance in learning more about sense. She acquired clarity 
in, by certifying in alternative health modalities, touch modalities, but she found that she loved aromatherapy and has done everything from studying the history to being now a history-making author of this beautiful new book, Heart oh, and Soul. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And she nice. will be speaking with us first, uh, but I'll also give a, uh, an introduction to Mary Yoshiri on Nakano. She was introduced to someone else who works with the 411 Center, uh, Judy Lynn, who teaches, um, no, Jane. We have two people that do ukulele. And Jane told her about the podcast we have on Saturdays and about Poet On and, I mean, Powered by Age. So she shared a poem on healing. And in talking about the healing, we'll hear of how her career as a licensed practical nurse for 16 years, mostly in pediatrics, just got to a point where she wanted to make a change. And she had a desire to produce um, different results through natural healing. And she went through many years of study, which involved her doing shiatsu, various oriental therapies, many Western modalities, such as Swedish um, style massage. And she has two things in common with Bohana, and that she has also done reflexology and aromatherapy. So we're going to have an interesting ride as we uh, hear both presentations. Periodically, I'll give people a, an opportunity to ask a question, to make a comment, but we'll ask you as you make comments or questions to make them short because we have a lot of good information to share. So, Rahana, welcome. Thank you, Charlotte, for inviting me to be with all of you today. And, um, um, I, I, I'm sorry, is it Shuma, the, 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 the other woman giving the presentation? Yoshimi. Yoshimi and I have um, more than reflexology in, in, in common. And, and we also um, both worked in pediatrics. Did you work in pediatrics? Yes. Yeah, okay. So we have <laughs> in common. So I look forward to your presentation. Um, one aspect of the aging process that I've come to appreciate recently is how I continue to learn about myself. And possibly this has something to do with the fact that our long-term memory um, becomes more acute as we get older. Um, so as I was preparing this presentation, uh, I, I realized how how long in my life uh, I've been maybe not necessarily a, a warrior, but but a, a defender or an advocate for one one cause or another, and uh, particularly in the area of of healthcare. I was born and raised in Toronto, Canada, and in looking back at my childhood um, in the forties, nineteen forties, and fifties. I realized that my parents, um, they were generally pretty, pretty, uh, we're Canadians, you know, they were generally pretty conservative and, and straight laced, but um, I, I, I've come to think of them as kind of the early new agers. For example, when I was ill, um, I would have my, um, well, like a lot of us would have my chest 
covered with Vicks, Vicks vapor rub by my mother. And, and um, it's, it's, it's very interesting because I've done um, a, a healing therapy using the sense of smell and more um, psycholo- on the psychological level. And it's amazing how many of my clients expressed, especially, you know, with the smell of, of camphor, how they expressed um, loving memories of their mothers putting a, a Vicks vapor rub on, on their chest. So I, very rarely was there a, a, a negative uh, um, memory of that. So I found that kind of interesting. But anyhow, I also had mustard plasters wrapped around my neck and not put on my chest. And um, it, with, if I had a fever, it was cooled down with cooling compresses. Um, and also, my mother brought in um, an osteopath. So I have very fond memories of, of lying on my bed. I mean, I don't remember being sick in particular, but, I, but lying on my bed and this lovely, kindly woman sitting there uh, kind of palpating my, you know, my chest and my back and my neck um and doing her doing her therapy so that that's a a very positive memory for me i have no recollection of ever taking a medication um not even an aspirin uh, uh, as a child and even my parents um the only thing i recall my parents ever taking um was my dad had a bit of an angry stomach so he'd take an alka-seltzer once in a while. And I used to love that plop and fizz as he dropped the, the Alka-Seltzer into the, um, into the, and I'd take a little sip too from his, from his glass. But um, so my sister and I, we, we, I mean, I don't recall ever being in a doctor's office or in, or in, in a hospital, uh, but that era was prior to, um, the big pharma, the big pharmaceutical giants kind of commandeering the, the medical, you know, the medical um, the healthcare systems across North America. And it was also prior to um, the spraying of toxic pesticides, um, not simply across all of our farmlands, and it's still going on today. Um, but also even in our communities, even on our, even in our, in our grass, you know, we're talking, I'm talking about Roundup, which is, you know, has glyphosate. And, and so there's more and more um, thought, um, understanding today that much of our chronic illness and 50% of both adults and children um, presently um, have a chronic illness, have at least one chronic illness. 50% it n- was never like that um, up until the last m- maybe um, 20 or 30 years or so. So anyhow, with my beginning in this kind of unorthodox um, um, he- healthcare at home, I, I find it curious that I went on to pursue a career in nursing um, but uh, there wasn't as much choice for, for women in those days. However, in retrospect, I'm very grateful that, that I took that path because of um, many of the other areas that it's led, led me to. And it's also given me some, some, some credibility. 
Shortly after I became an RN in Toronto in the, in the late 60s, I uh, escaped with a friend and we flew down to California, um, ended out in LA and we both um, got jobs at Cedars of Lebanon, uh, now Cedar sinai Medical Center in Hollywood, which was fun to write home about. Um, and I just flourished, flourished being on the cusp of, of the, the new age movement, um, the holistic health movement. It was just a, a very joyous time and free. So I felt so much freer um, down there. Um, so, um, excuse me, I, I do have to use notes. I'm not very good at talking from the top of my head here. Um, most of my experience was in the field of pediatrics uh, but I became uncomfortable after a while because of the invasive procedures and the, and the heavy um, duty pharmaceuticals that I had to administer to these weak babies and children. And, and so um, I had moved up to San Francisco. And at that time, uh, Kaiser Permanente Hospital was um, instigating a new, it was called um, Mother Infant Recovery Program, where uh, the mothers who came in to have babies um, never left, you know, they were never separated from their babies from, they, you know, they were in labor, then they had birth, and then they had their, they recovered together and went to their rooms together. So I loved, loved that work. Um, and that, you know, kind of takes me into the um, into the mid '80s, and I contracted um, or developed chronic fatigue syndrome. And that, at that time, chronic fatigue syndrome in the mid '80s was suddenly um, kind of huge. It was sort of an explosion, and nobody knew that much about it. And but it did uh, affect women. In particularly, and um, and and a, and a lot of nurses, nurses and and um, and teachers were affected. So so that um, so I stopped nursing, and uh, with a lot of soul searching, of, of where do I go next? Um, I, um, I chose a more alternative and a more creative health uh, lifestyle. I knew I had to start um, giving a little attention to my creative side. Um, I did birth my second child at home. I took my children to, to homeopaths and naturopaths when they were ill, which was um, very rare. And, um, um, and also I found that just doing massage, just doing a, I didn't know reflexology then, but just rubbing their feet or, or a nice little back massage. So, and, and then, you know, they could relax or anyone that you relax a little bit and then the immune system can, can, um, can, can click in. And, and so um, I, I definitely found that was, was beneficial. Over the years when I attempted to share my alternative leanings with, with my medical colleagues, it was, it was usually, you know, they, they kind of put up with me. They kind of tolerated me, but um, I, I usually was met with a little bit of disdain and, and you know, looked at as if I was coming from left field uh, somehow. And, and I found it very disappointing that there, that, 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 I mean, I didn't make many converts. I, I found it very disappointing that no one showed much interest in, in, uh, in other approaches to health. 
and um, that offered more gentle and, and less toxic um, interventions. Then in my, um, in the 1990s, the mid 1990s, in my early 50s, my life took an unexpected turn. I happened to be in a health food store. Now I'm in Vancouver. As you can tell, I've kind of moved along in my life. Um, I, I was in Vancouver and I happened to, to take a, a whiff of a little bit of, lav, of lavender essential oil from a little brown bottle on a health food store shelf. And I, I, it just blew me away. I had a, it was like an old factory, a, a smell epiphany. And um, the sniff was my introduction, my first introduction to aromatherapy. Um, and um, I was drawn to it. I've always loved beautiful scents and, and I was drawn to it like a, a bee is to nectar. It was just immediate. Uh, possibly my uh, appreciation of beautiful smells comes from the fact that I, um, my father was a baker. So I spent a lot of time in his bake shop amongst the wonderful aromas of, of, of his, um, you know, his apple pies and cinnamon buns and so on and so forth. So I find my, I found my niche and I immersed myself in the study of scent and healing as if it was a calling. And uh, it, it truly did feel, feel like, like a calling and, and, and just, just um, sort of some, that's assurance that at any time in our lives, we can still, still find our, our calling, you know, even if it's, even if we're, I don't know, 90, you know. Um, be, before arriving in North America, aromatherapy um, was growing rapidly in Europe. And even medical doctors in France were writing prescriptions for essential oils for, for, their, for their patients. Um, and at the, by the time it arrived in North America, in maybe the late 80s, um, early 90s, um, even the nurses in England uh, were actually taking essential oils in, into the hospital setting. So we were a little behind here. Um, shortly after that initial whiff of lavender, uh, which is considered the Swiss, Swiss army knife of essential oils because it has so many, so many healing benefits. Um, anyhow, shortly after that, that whiff, I, I happened to find uh, a little ad in the paper for an aromatherapy course, which I uh, signed up for immediately, studied hard, and became what we called at the time a registered uh, aromatherapist, a registered aroma massage therapist actually is, was the de designation. And I studied uh, reflexology as well on, on the side because most uh, in England at that time, um, most of the nurses who, who were aromatherapists also um, did reflexology. However, Alas, I have here once again. Um, uh, you know, so I hung up my shingle, expecting to save the world with um, my newfound wonderful therapy, and I came up against bias again. Aromatherapy is the only therapy that that uses a sense of smell um, uh, for health and, and healing reasons. And, and I, and I, I, I get it that it's, it's understandable that it was hard for people to kind of get their heads around, 
the fact that, I mean, they were used to, to bad smells, maybe bad smells in hospitals or bad smells meant illness, but they certainly weren't um, used to the fact that smells could be, could be healing other than making perfumes and making you feel good. Um, so there again, when I um, proudly announced that I was an aromatherapist, even my friends and family looked at me askance, like, oh, here she goes on another tangent. Uh, so, uh, um, Charlotte, I, I, in your introduction, I, 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 on the page, I, I noticed that you said that I've broken a barrel of biases. Well, I haven't broken, <laughs> I haven't broken all the biases yet, but I, I certainly work hard on, on, on doing so. North Americans warm slowly to the fact that aromatic plants had therapeutic benefits. Um, and not only on the physical level, but um, on the mental and the emotional and the, and, and the spiritual level. However, the public's uh, slow acceptance of this therapy needn't have been a surprise for me because the sense of smell itself is, has a bias, you know, is... is, is, is um, you know, suffers from bias. As human beings, we've lost we, we've lost sight of the fact that throughout humanity's history, we've depended on um, not just the, the, the plants and healing um, uh, healing plant matter of, of of the earth, but also of the aromas of the natural world, and and we actually have an intimate connection with many of these aromas um, in our in our deep psychology. Unfortunately, smell had, had fallen from grace when the Enlightenment arrived in the Western world, and uh, also known as the Age of Reason. That was in the 17th century. And um, scientists and philosophers alike disparaged the sense of smell. They considered it to be vulgar, base, of little importance. And um, in fact, I mean, heaven forbid, it might excite the emotions. You know, that was something they didn't seem to want to, to deal with. Um, therefore, smell plummeted and to the bottom of the hierarchy of the senses for three centuries. As the bias continues, and the bias continues, for example, when most people are asked which of their senses, which of the five senses, sight, sound, smell, taste, and, and or touch, that they would relinquish if pressured, or if they had to, which would they relinquish? And the majority of people will choose smell, followed by um, touch, taste, uh, um, sound, and, and sight. Um, and so it was another decade and well into the new millennium before aromatherapy was given recognition and, and respect. And, and just to go back a bit, um, it, it, it's interesting because the majority of people that would, and I can understand this, you know, smell, you know, I, I, they, they, we think we could give that up. But smell and taste are... Um, if they lost, their, if you lose your sense of smell, you lose your sense of taste. So therefore, if you give up the sense of smell, you're actually giving up um, two senses, 
two of your senses. And as we learned in, in the, um, with the pandemic, um, that, um, that, I mean, aromatherapy has become many, mainstream by now, but with countless numbers of people during the pandemic uh, losing their sense of smell, it actually um, caused a, a, a huge resurgence in the interest uh, in, in the sense of smell. Uh, people that uh, people that had it were were desperate. They were um, meeting up and you know online with other other people that were uh, suffering from the same thing, because across the world um, on social media, because they were all experiencing without their sense of smell a disconnection. They experienced angst, anger, and depression. Um, so uh, there was a New York Times podcast in uh, January of 2021 called The Forgotten Sense. And I just want to uh, take a quote, um, read a quote from that podcast. And it said that COVID-19 arrived in a world that had spent far too long not taking the sense of smell seriously. So hooray, you know, we're uh, getting more attention. And, and, and obviously, as you can tell, I take it pretty seriously. For 25 years, I've been rooted in my dedication to this beautiful healing modality. And um, in fact, seven years ago, I, I without any expectation, um, so it was a surprise to me, at the age of 70, I, I was um, compelled to write a book about my experiences um, in the field of, of, of aroma and healing. And um, so thank you. Um, I'm gonna hold it up again, but um, <laughs> uh, I'll, so it's called, it's called uh, Scent and Soul, the Extraordinary Power of, of the Sense of Smell. And, and uh, you know, it's my hope that all who read it will become re-enchanted. That's what I ask people to, to become re-enchanted with uh, not only their sense of smell, but also with the, um, the, the, the plants and, and aromas that mother nature has so generously and, and graciously provided us with. Um, and um, that's my conclusion. Oh, I just, I enjoyed I enjoyed your story and I can relate to so much of what you said. I was, I couldn't believe how similar. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Wonderful. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> the biases and all of that. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. I've had a similar journey. Uh, I'm certified EFT. I'm certified Reiki. I'm certified, uh, uh, the reconnection and I'm right now in the middle of doing a thing called uh, intention healing and I've uh, I'm up to my eyebrows with schoolwork uh, around wow but, it, but but in the meantime I write poetry I've never heard Neil I've never heard intention healing what is that about you said intention healing yes what is it Neil I've never heard it I don't want to take uh, up the time, but Delsa, it's about creating the intention to heal. 
oh, and then right. meditating on it from the heart space. All right. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. I just wanna. I I just not sure that there's really a name to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a question for Rohana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that you know if people lack certain senses. So you know, if you have don't have the sense of sight, it changes the way you have to navigate the world. And I remember as a child, a friend of my mother's was born without a sense of smell, and I was just wondering how that might have impacted her life. Good question. Yeah, and how she so would. How have... does she apply this scent? Yeah, in soul healing. Yeah. How, does, yeah. how do you apply it with the, not only with the lack of sense smell, with the declining. When you get older, we lose senses. Yeah. <laughs> right? We lose, sense, we lose sense of taste, sense of thirst. We don't, get, we don't get thirsty anymore. We don't get hungry anymore. The smell is slowly uh, declining. How do they use make use of the uh, scent healing? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's a, a, a it's pretty rare, extremely rare to be born without a sense of smell, and um, so it, I I just can't imagine. I mean, we don't miss. In my book, I talk about um, people that lose their sense of smell, um, and um, maybe possibly that woman, maybe she, um, maybe she uh, fell. You know, lots of babies fall out of their mother's arms or fall off tables mm. and so forth. And maybe she she hit her head. And yeah, I, I don't know how it happened. I just yeah, it's, it's really really hard to know. And and so I'd be curious to know. Mm. Um, uh, and often parents aren't aware of a child um, until they're teenagers that they've mm. lost their sense of smell because. Uh, you know, until maybe the toast is burning or something, or or mm. or, or they and, and they miss that. And but um, so I would be curious to know how that how her life was. Do you know anything mm. about her? Well, she was a friend of my mom. She was married. She had a child, um, but she just uh, you know just let us know. You know, I'm sorry, I can't smell that. I have no sense of smell. Right. Yeah. So, so she, I think we could certainly. It, it, I mean, we we need it for protection. Certainly, mm. um, we're aware of gas, you know, coming through or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, she would never know of the pleasure and and and, and the. Um, so I would think on, on some level there would be something missing that she. Mm-hmm. I think I think it has something to do with centers in the brain that co- controls everything. Yeah. Part of the brain is probably impaired that controls the sense of smell. Yeah. These yeah. questions are relate to another kind of, of, of bias, a limitation. Much of the uh, medicine practice in the United States now is not following the oath of Hippocrates, which is the physician counseling their, stu- their, their patient, but also uh, doing a, a homeopathy. Homeopathy was the medicine that was used. It is the standard main medicine for France, but it was um, to really examine the body, to ask people questions about does it feel, you feel different in a cold breeze? Do you feel better sleeping on your left side? It really gets more invasive in the questions to get a picture because there are certain remedies have got a picture. There's a a thing within nature that that represents and reflects uh, the symptoms people have. And when a person has a a homeopathic evaluation, it would get more to what might be the cause of what might be a remedy. 
So, yeah, uh, I'm a fan of I'm a fan of homeopathy. That's for sure. Although I actually had to give up homeopathy because um, it can be antidote by strong. And while I was into aromatherapy until fairly recently, because um, strong smells can antidote particular smells can antidote remedies, but um, my homeopath isn't at present, isn't concerned about that. She'll just give me another dose of the, the remedy, but, um, uh, and, and uh, just, just uh, on an aside, um, I just learned recently that homeopathy was originally um, taken through, through through smell or through the nose or something. I, I, I didn't, I didn't realize that, so I'm not sure what that what that means. But, um, but and also, yeah, and also, uh, uh, Rana, with the people, there's a lot of allergies in this country. Like you know, the oils and the aromatherapy, they got very intense smell, and if you're allergic to it, yeah, then, <laughs> that's a whole other yeah. yeah. That's a whole other thing. You know, if you're allergic to roses or you're allergic to oranges, just me, yes, and you, you you need to stay away. To the barks, yeah. 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 Okay, we are going to be continuing on <laughs> this discussion Yashimi. over different weeks, but we're going to uh, hear from uh, Yashimi. She is was a licensed practical nurse for 16 years, working mostly in pediatrics, as she said. But one different way we're going to introduce her is through a poem. She wrote a poem called Healing, and this poem reflects both some of the bias, but also the way that it was a healing form for her. So, Yashimi? Well, I, I, before I read my poem, of all of the modalities that I, I learned, I wanted to preface it by saying I'm 77, now, and I was a, um, an LPN, and I, I decided that I just, I wanted to learn alternative natural healing. And so when I, when I quit my job at the hospital, there was huge protesting, <laughs> protest, protesting from my parents. Um, I'm third generation Japanese Canadian. Um, they, they thought that I, you know, here I was giving up a look, well, a fairly lucrative long-term uh, profession where I could retire with a pension. <laughs> and here I gave it all up to do something that was that I didn't have any idea where I was going, but it was a long journey, but a, a thoroughly um, uh, engrossing, wonderful adventure in learning all so many different modalities, Oriental and um, where I, you know, like doing heavy duty, physical shiatsu on the floor to all of this, so many other different uh, treatment uh, things to doing it. And in my later years, before I retired at, at uh, 69, I, um, where I was doing more subtle energetic work, um, more just kind of 
trying to get to the place where um, to have my clients or anybody I touched to um, so that they got in touch with their own innate healing through sensations and, uh, you know, just letting go through breath work, um, all of these different natural modalities. And, um, and I absolutely, I'm quite sensitive with the kinesthetic sense. I love touch. I love contact. I love hugging. I love anything to do with touch. And it's such a wonderful, gentle way to, um, to connect with people and to share. And um, so refining my skills and everything took many years. And so I learned um, to be, to come to a place of, humi of humility, I think, in that I didn't, that I wasn't, I didn't have all the answers. I, I, I couldn't save anybody. I couldn't, I, I didn't, I couldn't take away, I wasn't the perfect um, a model of health and wellness or, or free of any kind of challenges or personal or whatever. So, um, so that's kind of, and then the other bias was when I was going into learning all of these and then um, kind of um, stumbling along, uh, I, I, my, a lot of people, especially my father, was very against what I did because he thought that I would be working in a massage parlor <laughs> or, or a body rub place. Like there would be, you know, kind of silly jokes with people, especially men that, 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 would, that would kind of um, make it sound like I was some kind of, well, the, the Western idea of, um, or the belief system of geishas or, you know, or I don't know, kind of like the the quiet, um, sweet Japanese kind of woman. Anyway, so so there was a lot of things that I um, that where I learned a lot about about um, really grounding myself in what I felt led to do. So here's my poem. It's called Healing Work. My father never approved of my line of work. No daughter of his would work in such a low-class job. In his day, doing amma was a shameful thing. But I'm not one of them, I'd protest. He'd walk away. Who would come to you anyway? But they did come, eager for healing all manner of injuries, ailments of body, mind, and spirit. I had found my calling. With tools of the trade, a roll-up mat, on-site massage chair, a folding table, they took me from clinic treatment rooms to health fairs, hospice bedsides, executive boardrooms, film sets, to homes of the rich and famous, to suites at the Ho Sylvia Hotel. Years of Eastern esoteric studies, thumbs applied to tsubos, meridians to balance chi, Western traditions, effleurage, subtle energetics to move fluids, 
integrating neuromuscular systems. At their essence is trust in my mind, in my heart, mind, and hands. My work is to assess the terrain of each body, listen to their tissues, feel for the felt sense of a blockage for release, and trust in the wisdom of the body to do the healing. My father had never approved of my line of work, and yet here he is before me on the table. I have seen his woundedness too often, his wretched body in a heap on the floor, sobbing inconsolably after a regretted rampage. My palms form a bowl. He lets me nestle his head in them for a brief moment. He closes his eyes. Gently, I stroke the contours of his face over the furrowed brow from which I often gauged his mood, alert for the wild eyes and what might ensue. Over the deep ruts surrounding his downturned mouth, I unclench and soften his gnarled fingers from the customary fists, these pugilistic weapons that have wreaked terror and tumult this many years. My fingers coax softening from the armor of his caged chest. He shudders, a sigh escapes, followed by a deeper exhalation, begging release from the belly. I feel tingling, a current, a streaming through my hands from his body into mine. A synchronized breathing becomes a shared resonance of stillness, which spreads out like a wave, out with the tide, gathering all the streams and tributaries spreading beyond our bodies out of the room to the larger void, the ocean activating the image, the vestiges of the primitive embryonic fluids of his mother's womb and beyond. We stay together sharing the stillness, the ebb and flow for the longest time. A tear escapes from beneath his closed lids. I turn my head to save face, but there's no face to save. Mm. Wow. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful. Is, is, that, a, is that an autobiography turned into a poetry, Neil? That is, mm -hmm. it does that. It's, I've never seen yeah. a poem that so much talked about your profession, talked about your, your transition, but also the pain of not being accepted by a parent, but then at the end, the reconciliation and love as you were, were treating him. It's an amazing poem. Thank you. Really, truly. Yoshimi, remember last time we were together here, I made you, I asked you to say the words, I am a poet. Yes, <laughs> I remember. You, you, are, you are a poet. I, I really liked your last line. Uh, there was no face. So were you trying to refer to the fact that your dad was feeling uh, uh, guilty about the way he had treated you in the beginning and the way he had looked at that profession? Like he had, had he lost face in that sense? Like I wasn't sure what that last line meant. Uh -huh. Well, it's, it's kind of symbolizes a lot of things about saving face, and especially with um, older, maybe oriental fathers who are quite dominant and um, 
and not yeah it was like I'm the master of the house <laughs> and um, whatever and but there were I always I always wanted to connect with my father over the years that he always loved and asked for um, massages you know it's 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 very common to like I, I would give my grandmother my my parents, you know, little massages when I was 10 and 12 and, you know, over the years and everything. And, um, and so, so this was, and the thing is that I didn't want him to feel um, guilt or I, I didn't want to feel or shame or, or I didn't want to feel guilt or shame in what I did or how I lived mm. my life and my journey. So it was like a symbolic of, of everything about releasing, releasing and forgiving. And touch can do that wordlessly. And it's, it's um, yeah, I, I just... I, I loved I loved all my clients. I loved the work and all of the challenges of um, learning and all the different um, treatment modalities, um, having a rapport with my long established kind of clients and then meeting new ones and um, just being able to share our mutual journeys, you know, we all have a journey and um, in learning and, and, and with all of the learning and the, my experiences in the field and all my books on anatomy and physiology and everything, it all comes down to, to um, trusting and having faith in our own abilities uh, in supporting and um, cultivating, nurturing the healing within us uh, through through lifestyle changes, through you know um, activities, connecting with people, just so it's the whole ball ball of wax. I think it's just coming down to really and being and discovering the the quiet, silent part of us and communing with that healing part of us and in all of, all of the whole realm. I never, I never knew how my parents' skin could like. I wish I had known how to massage when I was 10 years old like you did. So I had every good reason to touch them. Because in Asian culture, we don't mm -hmm. touching, and you know it, right? Mm -hmm. Touching is never, never a part of growing up. I grew up in the uh, 50s and 60s, like Johanna. And now that you're talking about it, oh, I wish I could have touched my parents. Mm -hmm. I wish I could be, like, you know, I, I learned massage in this country. I wish I knew how to massage when I was 10, like you. Gave me a very good reason to touch them. Especially my father. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Charlotte, I'm going to requi request. I have a very short poem 
I'd like to share because it's very appropriate to what we've heard today uh, from Rohana and from Yoshimi and it's called I Am Tomorrow. I am tomorrow from the foods that I eat today. Not just the healthy foods, but the ones that please me as well. I am tomorrow by the emotions I experience today. Not just the pleasant ones that please me, but all of them, both the ups and the downs. I am tomorrow by the thoughts I think today. My thoughts create the body's chemistry that motivate and generate my actions and my health. I am tomorrow by the words I speak today, so I get teased, even rebuked, for saying I am always good. I am tomorrow by the karma, both good and bad, that I create today. So the hippies of the 70s were right. What goes around comes around. I am tomorrow from the beliefs I hold as true. Even if no longer true, beliefs learned in childhood are the most difficult to change. I am tomorrow from the stories that I cling to about the past. Every, member is, every memory is a chance to invent a better tomorrow by choosing ones of love. I am tomorrow from the gratitude I have when I realize how blessed I am. I have someone to love. I am loved by someone. And I am grateful that I live the life that I live today. I am tomorrow today. Oh, oh. I love that. Yeah. Lovely point. Beautiful. Beautiful. Love. Beautiful. One of the best yet. Yeah. Yeah. Good connecting point between the experiences that have been shared today. I want to really thank you, Rohana and Yoshimi, for coming, for sharing just the, the, the beauty of pursuing what you loved. And I think something that connects with uh, uh, each of us, a dream deferred. <laughs> Many people have had something that other people told them they needed to do in order to be accepted. But then in midlife, 60s, 70s, mids, I have in common with the two of you, mid-70s, I started doing something different. And so I hope our listeners will be encouraged to know if you're following a path that you're not happy with, reach out and look at where it is. Is it in the healing arts? Is it in the creative arts? Be bold enough to say, that's what I was brought here to do. Just as these, uh, each of our speakers and very much the other participants that we have within Powered by Age, people doing what they want to do, sharing things that will make the world a better place, doing things that will help reach our objective of AFC, create the age-friendly, not only city, but age-friendly country. Next week, we're going to be celebrating our 100th. We're going to be 100 years old. <laughs> and so people might write something on, when I am 100, I will, <laughs> that, that, that. Uh, we're going to have some proclamations. And uh, um, I'm not sure whether I have it in um speak of you, but Quirky is an organization that's going to do a reading. We're going to have some special singing. So 
just come and join us next week at one and hear how Powered by Age is here for you and has been for 100 episodes. Well, thank you. Thank you, Charlotte, for another beautiful <coughs> thank you, Powered by Age. Great session. And nice to see you again, Chris. Nice to see you, too. Yeah, you're also being the power behind Powered by Age. So. Yeah, a beautiful writer, Chris. Beautiful writer. And, and smell the roses, guys. Just go. Yeah. 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 Y